0: Okay, please speak to our loving Allah that we are able again to study his words and his commandments. Welcome to another episode of the BQA, the Bible questions and answers. Now our question today will eventually go to what we call a crimson worm. Now you've probably never heard of a crimson worm before, but we will show you in this episode of the BQA its significance when it comes to the attainment of our salvation. So let's go to the list of questions that we have lined up for today. It comes from one of our dear uh, followers, dear viewers. This is what uh, the question entails. Dear brother John, good uh, day brother. I've been following all of your BQAs, DHPs, and worship services topics, Job, Ruth, Wedding, and and the Rapture. Then I heard about the trumpets and Jericho's fall and Rahab's red string. I would like to ask the following point. Number one, are there verses pertaining to prophecies? Are these verses pertaining to prophecies to Christ Yahusha? Or were these the words Job and King David spoke because of their sufferings? Job mentions in Job 25, 6, how much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm. And the book of Psalms, 22 verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. Number two, if they were of Christ, why was he be compared to a worm, a polar worm in Israel, and why the polar worm? And so let's go ahead and look at the first question. The first question being, are these verses pertaining to Christ Yahusha, or is it merely an expression of suffering that they were going through. So let's go ahead and look at Job chapter 25 and the verses 6. How much less man who is a maggot and a son of man who is a worm. So the question is because there's a reference son of man in Job 25 6 is the son of man referred to there Yahusha. If so then Yahusha is likened to a worm. However Every time we look and read scripture and there's a mentioning of a son of man, I don't think it automatically pertains to Yahushua. Now when it mentions here son of man, who is it referring to? Why does the book of Job mention son of man? And was it Job who made this declaration? Who was the one who made this declaration? How much less man who was a maggot and the son of man who is a worm? Let's read Job 25. One, four down to six. Then Bildad the Shuite answered and said, as far as for a while. And so the statement, son of man, likened to a worm. That statement did not come from Job, right? It came from who? Bildad. Now, who was Bildad? One of the three friends of Job. Remember, the three friends were observing Job, and they saw the suffering that Job is going through, and they wanted to give him counsel to give him advice. And so one of the friends is Bildad the Shuhite. And Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, how then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm. And so when the advice that Bildad is giving Job He is telling Job, look, as a human being, as a man, our life is basically very, very tiny compared to Yahuwah. And so he's saying that a man is just born of a woman. This is why the statement son of man does not necessarily pertain to Yahusha; It pertains to being born of a woman. This is why he says son of man because he is born of a woman. So Bildad is basically telling Job, look, all of this is happening to you. Your sufferings is because you're just a man and your righteousness does not compare at all to Yehudah's righteousness. In a way, that's kind of true. However, when all of this is said and done and Yahuwah appears to Job and mentions the three friends giving him advice, what does Yehudah say to the three friends? Let's read the book of Job. 42, 7-9, to 9, after Yahuwah had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me, as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did as Yehovah commanded them, and Yehovah accepted Job's prayer. And so when the three friends were giving advice to Job, Yehovah reprimanded the three friends. He said... To Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job asked. And so the statement of Bildad about the Son of Man, I don't think pertains to Yahushua. It merely means Son of Man because he was born of a woman. Being born of a woman, one is naturally weak because all human beings are but flesh flesh and dust and so let's go to question number two how about psalm 22 and the verse is six does this pertain to Yadusha or does it simply pertain to the anguish that king David was feeling let's read the book of psalm 22 and the verse is six but i am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised by the people so here the bible tells us in prophecy In Psalm 22, verse 6, because David was writing as inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, but I am a worm. What does it mean when he says, I am a worm? He is a reproach of man and despised by the people. You see, sometimes when people say a lot of negative things about you, when they reproach you, despise you, speak lies about you, and spew out hatred against you, you feel like a worm. (laughs) Right? And so David was feeling this. And so when we look at Chapter 22 of the Book of Psalms, which is considered one of the most beautiful Psalms, the most beautiful chapters in all of Scripture, it is so because there is so much to unpack in the Book of Psalms. If I were you, I would spend some time reading and meditating the book of psalms because when we study the book of psalms in fact today in this episode of the bqa we're going to unpack the meaning of psalms 22 using three different levels of analysis the literal and practical application number two the prophetic application and number three something called the romance and so we know all scripture when you look for example at the prophecies the book of Psalms 22, the Psalms and other works of scripture, there's always a literal and practical application. So let's go through Psalm 22 and see what we can learn, wisdom that we can gain when we look at Psalm 22 literally and understand its practical application. So let's go to Psalm 22, one down to two. This is a Psalm of David. So David, wrote this psalm and like what we said, he wrote this song as filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear and in the night season and am, am not silent. And so this was the Psalm of David And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why does David cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's praying day and night to Yahuwah who can deliver him. But for some reason, Yahuwah does not do what David asks from him. Perhaps some of us can relate with David here is an expression of deep anguish. This is why he cries out, my God, My God, why have you forsaken me? And so King David felt he was forsaken by Yahuwah Abba. How many here have felt sometimes that Yahuwah has forsaken us? Maybe at some point in our life, we felt what David felt. And so David, he was frustrated. He was going through mockery, going through persecution. And he prays to Yahuwah, but Yahuwah doesn't answer David. So why did David feel forsaken? Well, let's look at Psalm 22:11 to 15. Be not far from me, for trouble is near; for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me; strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint; my heart is like wax, it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. We can obviously see frustration and anguish on the part of David, right? There's this physical agony because he says, and all my bones are out of joint. My tongue clings to my jaws. And so he's experiencing deep thirst. There's something he really wants to be delivered from. The trouble that has come and the enemies that surround him has brought him great anguish. What else? 16 down to 18. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And so this is the expression of of the anguish on the part of David because he is feel, feeling physical anguish and physical agony. And so one of the reasons why David felt forsaken was he suffered physical anguish. Not only that, what also was one of the reasons why he said to Yahuwah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, seven to eight, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the hip, they shoot out the the, the lip, they shake the head saying he trusted in Yahuwah, let him rescue him, let him deliver him since he delights in him. But also has brought David to pure anguish and agony to the point that he expressed in this psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so despite his prayers to Yahuwah, Yahuwah doesn't deliver him. And so because Yahuwah does not deliver him, here comes his enemies watching him squirm in pain. And then they mock him. Well, let let Yahuwah be the one to rescue him. And so they're kind of enjoying the suffering that David was going through and mocking him because Yahuwah was not answering his prayers right away. So there's a delay in the answer so David's prayer, there was a delay to the deliverance that Yahuwah had promised David. And so this brought on this feeling of being forsaken by Yahuwah. Number one, he suffered physical anguish from his enemies. He suffered the uh, deliverance, was delayed. Yahuwah was not answering his prayer. And at last he says, Psalm 22, verse 6, But I am a worm, and no man our reproach of men and despised by the people. When a person is going through anguish, physical and emotional, you want the encouragement of your friends, right? You want to seek the the counsel and the consolation from people you rely on, but he could not find any. As a matter of fact, wherever he turned, all he can find are people who reproach him and despise him. And so all of this added together caused him to feel forsaken. Number one, he suffered physical anguish, emotional anguish, deliverance was delayed, and he was reproached and despised by the people who surrounded him. So all of this taken together, he felt abandoned, he felt forsaken by Yahuwah Allahim. Brethren, if we're going to be honest, sometimes this happens to us too, right? I mean if it can happen to David, I mean, what did Yahuwah say today? He says, He is a man after my own heart. Out of him will come forth the Son of God. This is why the Son of God, our King Yahusha, is called the Son of David. That's how much Yahuwah loved David. Yet David felt forsaken by Yehua himself. This is why there will be times in our life when we're going to go through droughts and spells. And bouts of feeling that Yahuwah has abandoned us. When we say to ourselves, how come Yahuwah is not answering me? And so what do we do in situations like that? Because we know there will be times when we will feel exactly what David felt. This is why it was written in the book of Psalms. It is for our learning so that we can gain wisdom from a literal and practical application of the book of Psalms. So let's look at what David did. What must we do when we feel forsaken by Abba? And so what did David do? Well, let's read. The book of Psalms 22, three to five, he says, but you, referring to Yahuwah, like he's referring to Yahuwah, but you are holy and thrown in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. You see what David did? He felt forsaken, he felt abandoned, but what did he choose to do? You see, sometimes there there will be situations in our life when we feel abandoned, but even then we still have the power to choose. David felt abandoned, okay? But he still chose to do something about it. What did he choose to do consciously, on purpose, intentionally? Well, he remembered how Yahuwah has delivered his people, Israel. This is why he says, you are holy. Our fathers trusted in you. This was in reference to the people of God in the past. And so David was looking at what Yahuwah did for his people according to what was written in the book of Moses or during the Torah. And so he studied scripture and determined and found out Yahuwah is faithful to his people. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to remember, we need to search scripture and be assured, be inspired by how Yahuwah has helped his people in the past. We are people of God today. And so because we are the sons and daughters of God, we can expect that just as Yahuwah has helped his people in the past, he will also help us. Today. And so this is what David did. Okay. What else did David do? Look, 22, 9 to 10. But you are, but you are he who took me out of the womb. At first he was speaking about Israel. Now he's making it more personal. You took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. And so what David did to restore his faith, to restore his trust, was he read scripture to remind him of what Yahuwah did for the people of God in the past. And now he has read the scripture of his life. In other words, he looked back at what Yahuwah had, had done for him in the past, how he was saved from the lion, from the bear, how uh, he was protected ever since he was young, as a shepherd of, sh- of sheep. And so he remembered from the day he was born up until that present hour, what Yehovah has done for him. So this is relating to his personal experience with Jehovah. So David remembered how he has helped him uh, in the past. So this is what we need to do. We need to look at our experience because when we look at our life, When we look at our childhood, for example, maybe during the times when we were teenagers, because sometimes we do crazy things when we're teenagers, right? Maybe we've done and made past mistakes, how Yahuwah has forgiven us. Maybe there were times when we fell ill, we became sick. The doctors gave up, but Yahuwah delivered us. Yahuwah healed us. And so let us remember our personal history, our personal experiences with Yahuwah. It's what David did. But also, did David do? when he felt forsaken by Yahuwah. Let's read the book of Psalms 22, 24 to 26. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise Yahuwah. Let your heart live. Forever. And so, what also did David do so that he can gain strength when he was going through a difficult time in his life? The Bible says he poured out his heart to Yahuwah. He cried to Yahuwah. As a matter of fact, the whole book of Psalm 22 is basically the cry of his heart. And so, it's good, brothers and sisters, for us to be alone with Yahuwah. And everything that's in our heart, we kind of just say to him, you know. We can verbally say it to him. It's more effective that way. Yes, Yahuwah knows the contents of our heart. But when we say it, we show to Yahuwah, we trust him. We show to Yahuwah that we need him. Uh, The cry of our heart moves the heart of our Father in heaven. What also did David do? Psalms 22, 19, 21. But you... O Yahuwah, do not be far from me, O my strength, hasten to help me, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me. What also must we do after pouring out our hearts to Yahuwah, crying to him and making him our refuge, we need to ask for our requests. We need to plead with Yahuwah and ask for what we need. Ask for his deliverance. This is what David did. He said, do not be far from me. Brethren, when we feel like Yahuwah is no longer with us, let us pour out our hearts for Yahuwah and say to him, Father, please, I want to feel your presence. Be close to me again and then ask Yahuwah, save me from the lion's mouth. And so that's step number four, ask him to be close to you and to deliver you. And so brothers and sisters, if we are going through some kind of pain some kind of suffering, and we feel no matter what we do, no matter what we say to Yahuwah, no matter what we pray, let us take these steps that were taught to us by the book of Psalms, only to remember how Yahuwah has blessed and delivered his people in the past. Let us remember how he has helped us us ourselves, our personal experience with Jehua, let us cry to him, pour out our hearts to him, and then ask him to deliver us and to be close to us once again. So a literal reading of the book of psalms it's very, very helpful, isn't it? It gives us a practical application about what to do when we feel pain and anguish and when we feel forsaken. However, there's also a prophetic application of the book of Psalm 22. There are many scriptures that has multiple levels of meaning, and Psalm 22 is a perfect, perfect example. Oftentimes, prophecy, even songs, the Psalms, it has an immediate application, and also an application in the future, like a multiple fulfillment, right? Because these are patterns that teach us, and also patterns that predict and forecast what is going to happen in, The future In the book of Psalms 22, it's actually a prophecy. Did you know that? I mean, it's filled with practical application, right? Like what we showed you, but it's also prophetic. What's the proof? Psalm 22 is a prophetic chapter. Let's read the book of Psalm 22 again, verse one. We read this already. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know who fulfilled this prophecy? I think you already know. This is one of the most famous statements of our King Yahusha. And if you turn to the book of Matthew 27, uh, 46, in about the ninth hour, Yahushua cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, when Yahushua was on the cross, there was a, a moment in time when Yahuwah forsaken Why? Why did Yahusha cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he, Yahushua, made him, Yahusha, who knows sin, because he's perfect, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so, Yahu, Yahuwah, in his plan for righteousness, to put us and make us right before God, in his plan, it required Yahusha to become sin for us. And so, sin, the consequences of sin, sin, and all the negative emotion and emotional baggage that comes with sin, the suffering that comes with sin, that would be imputed upon our King Yahusha. And so Yahuwah, for that moment of time, he would be forsaken by Yahuwah. And so he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so David's psalm turns out to be a prophecy that was fulfilled by our King Yahushua. What further proves? Psalm 22 is a prophecy. We're not done. Let's read Psalm 22 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. Was this fulfilled in our King Yahushua? Was he despised? Was he reproached of men? To give you an idea of how despised he was, take a look at what happened on Passover or right before Passover. This is what it says. In the book of Luke 23, 18 and 25, when the mighty war rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to us. I'll pause it for a while. It was Passover. It was customary during Passover that Pilate would release one prisoner. Sudden free, amnesty, right? Complete pardon. And so Israel would choose which prisoner would be set free. And the reason why uh, Pilate made this offer and presented this at this moment is because after Pilate investigated Yahusha, he determined that this man is without sin. Pilate in his investigation determined Yahusha was without sin. And so he did not want to kill Yahusha. And so he said to the people, look, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to select a prisoner who can be set free. And so they gave Barabbas as one of the choices. And then they said, kill him, kill Yahusha, and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an instrument in Jerusalem against the government, that's insurrection, and for murder. Can you imagine? I mean, if there is a person who should be reproached and despised, it would be who? Barabbas. And so instead of selecting Yahusha to be released, he said, release Barabbas. Release the one who's guilty of insurrection, release the one who's guilty of murder. 20. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Yahusha, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Even Pilate tried to convince the people. Release and set free Yahusha because he's not guilty of sin. But they kept shouting, right? Crucify him, crucify him, referring to Yahusha. For the third time, he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Yahusha be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Yahusha to die, as they demanded, as they request, as they had requested. He released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Yahusha over to them. To do as they wish. wish. And so brothers and sisters, we can see here how much the people despised our king, Yahushua. He was hated. He was the subject of reproach. This is why when it says, I am a worm, was that also fulfilled in the life of Yahushua? Absolutely. This is why Psalm 22, verse 6 is a prophecy pertaining to Yahushua. Yahusha became a were despised and reproached of men. What else? Psalm 22 verse 7. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And then in Matthew 27, 39. Those who pass by blasphemed him, Yahushua, wagging their heads. You can see how Psalm 22 verse 7 is being played out in the Persecution against Yahushua and his crucifixion. 22 verse 8, he trusted in Yahuwah, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. It's true, Yahushua delights in Yahuwah, right? And look at Matthew 27, 43, he trusted in God, let him deliver him. Now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. And so what David was suffering he was going through that anguish and he felt forsaken, Yahusha is also experiencing. You see how the fulfillment prophetically is is being played out in the life of our King Yahusha. It doesn't end there. Uh, Psalm 22, 14, 15. I am poured out like water and all my bones are of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Was this fulfilled during the crucifixion? John 19, 34, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. After this, Yahushua, knowing that all things were now accomplished, but the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I first. When Yahushua was on the cross, before he was even nailed to the cross, he was severely beaten. When he was stretched and placed on the cross, he his bones were out of joint because of the crucifixion. And his heart was like wax. And when you're under, that's the heat of the sun, crucified, his tongue clings to his jaws. And so he was going through so much pain. He lost all that strength and when he was pierced to his side what came out water came out to fulfill the book of psalms chapter 22. what else psalm 22 16 for dogs have surrounded me the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me they pierced my hands and my feet this is pretty obvious whose hands and feet were pierced we know this was fulfilled also in Our king, Yahushua, in John 20, 25, 27, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, this is doubting Thomas, unless I see his hands, all right, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then he said to Thomas, Yahushua appears to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. To so not be unbelieving, but believing. And so, again, Psalm twenty-two sixteen. 16, this was fulfilled in the crucifixion of our King Yahusha. In Psalm twenty-two thirty-one, 31, we will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. And so, the book of Psalm is telling us Yahusha's sacrifice on the cross, it will declare righteousness even for people who will be born after this, who are not yet born. Right? This is why this prophetic work is going to extend all the way to the end of time. It will cover the sins of people who were not yet born when this was already declared. And John 19.30, when Yahushua has received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing, he said, he gave up his spirit. And so when we study the book of Psalm 22, not only does it have a literal and practical application, it also has a prophetic a prophetic announcement concerning the passion, the crucifixion, the death of our king, Yahusha. This is like to answer the second question. Are there verses, uh, question number one, are these verses pertaining to prophecies in Christ Yahushua concerning Psalm six? What is your answer? Psalm 226, is that prophetic? Yes. It pertains to our king, Yahusha. Yes, it pertains to David. But at the same time, it is also looking forward to our King Yahushua. It had two fulfillments David, literal and practical, to Yahushua, uh, prophetic, and in a deeper spiritual way to cover the sins of the people. This is why when Yahushua said, I am a worm, not a man, scorned by men and spite by the people, this also has a greater fulfillment in the life of our King Yahushua. But you know what? Psalm 22 is actually finished. We haven't yet disclosed to you all the prophecies found in Psalm 22. We know Psalm 22 contains prophecies about the death, the crucifixion of our King Yahushua. But not only that, after Yahushua triumphs over sin because of his crucifixion, look at what the prophecy says in Psalm 22. I will declare, what does it say? I will declare your name. Whose name? The name of Yahuwah. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Yahuwah, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel. Isn't it interesting? There also is a prophecy in Psalm 22 concerning the offspring of Israel. The remnant of Israel. The Israel who were lost. The Israel will be gathered during these end times. What is the prophecy of the book of Psalms concerning the Israel? Israel who will be regathered by the hand of our, King, our Father Yehud. Because Yehud says in Isaiah 11, He will set his hand again a second time and bring out all these people of Israel from the islands of the sea, from Kazakhstan or that area there in, in different parts of Africa. And he's gonna bring them together. And the prophecy says that the name of Yahuwah will be declared to the brethren in this assembly of the offspring of Israel. is in the nice? Was this fulfilled? Or was, was there a reiteration of this prophecy? Let's read the book of Hebrews 2, 11, 12. So now Yahushua and the ones he makes holy have the same father. I want to pause there? who are the ones that Yahusha has made holy. Those who were covered by his blood, those who belong to his assembly, right? That is why Yahusha is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. And so this was fulfilled in the assembly of Yahusha. What we assembled by Yahuwah. Yeah. We came from the islands of the sea. We came from different places throughout the world. And when we assembled together, did we receive the name of Yahuwah? Yes. This was a prophecy that was fulfilled in the assembly of Yahusha. Because we, the brothers and sisters of our King Yahusha, we will declare, he will declare this name to us, the name Yahuwah, according to the book of Psalm 22 and Hebrews 2, 11, 2 Well, isn't that fascinating? But it's not yet over. There's another prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled in Psalm 22. The crucifixion of Yahusha was fulfilled. This declaration of the name of Yahuwah, it already has been fulfilled a couple of years ago, but it's not yet finished. Psalm 22, 27, 29. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to Yahuwah and all the families, of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is Yahuwah's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. This is referring to the time when Yahuwah will send Yahusha after the seventh trumpet is blown to usher in the kingdom of our Lord and of Yahuwah and of his Christ. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. There was loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of Yahuwah and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on the thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Yahuwah God, the almighty, the one who is and who always was for now, you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. And so Psalm 22 also has a prophecy that we look forward to. The time when the kingdom of Yahuwah will be placed here on earth. The millennial kingdom. And so we looked at Psalm 22. We found the literal and practical application. We also found the prophetic meaning of Psalm 22. Right? Now let's look at the what the Hebrews call remez. Remens. Now what is remens? It literally means treasure underneath the words. When you're looking for treasure, you have to dig a lot of dirt, right? The treasure doesn't automatically appear to you. It is hidden. Because it is hidden, you have to work for it. Many people bury tons and tons of dirt just to get an ounce of treasure. The Holy Scriptures is a treasure trove. It contains many remnants. It contains many revelations, treasures underneath the words when we look deep into the meaning of these words. One of these manifestations of remnants is what we call Psalm 2, verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. The reason why this is interesting is because the Hebrew word used for worm in this passage is not the typical word used for worm. This was a special kind of worm, not your regular worm, not the maggots. This is different, very special, very different, very distinct. What is that Hebrew word? Are you ready for this? What is that Hebrew word? Let's look at the uh, Blue Letter Bible, and this is what it says: worm. The Hebrew word H, eight four three eight. The Tola, the Tola worm. Now, what is the Tola worm? Well, it is a worm, scarlet stuff, crimson, the female cocculus illicis, scarlet stuff, right? And so its main and primary definition is really scarlet stuff, crimson. I mean, look at how it's used, crimson, scarlet, they're basically synonymous. And so there's a crimson worm, it's called the polar worm, which takes us to question number two, the last of our studies today, if they were of Christ, Why was he being compared to a worm, a tola worm in Israel, and why the tola worm? By the way, this is a picture of the crimson worm. The scientific name is Coccus Elisis or Kermis alysis. And according to the encyclopedia.com, under the entry crimson worm, we find the following crimson worm, biblical tola, shani, which deals a dye called in the Bible shami or kola. The word kola actually does not refer to the worm, but the color scarlet or crimson. Karmia and the rabbinic literature, which was extracted from the body of the crimson worm. And so from the the crimson worm releases a dye, a crimson or scarlet dye that many people, the people in the past in ancient times used for different purposes. What were these different purposes? A brilliant, beautiful and fast red dye, it was used, number one, for dyeing the curtains of the tabernacle, you can read that in Exodus 10, 6, one and the garments of the high priest, 39.2, Exodus, in the purification rites of a leper, Leviticus 14.46, and of a house affected by leprosy, and it was added to the ashes, take note, of the red heifer, Numbers 19.6, crimson dyed clothes were costed, them in the case was five. And so the crimson worm, was useful in that it produced a dye, a red dye, that the ancient people of God used for different purposes. Now look at the example, or the different purposes the red dye was used for. Look at it, right? It's used in the curtains of the tabernacle. It's used in the dyeing of the garments of the high priest. It's used to purify in the purification whites of the leper. It's used in the ashes of a red heifer. What's the purpose of the ashes of a red heifer? Purification. To purify the temple, the utensils of the temple. So it can be used for worship. The high priest, the dyeing of the curtains and the tabernacle that represents worship. The purification rites of the leper, the ashes of a heifer that represents purification, cleansing. And the dye that was chosen comes from the crimson Worm. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. So we can tell, we can say, based on the entry from Encyclopedia, the crimson worm is a picture of purification and worship. And so when our King Yahusha, be clear, when Psalm 22 verse six, David says, I am a worm and it was applied to our King Yahusha. Basically we are being told that Yahusha is the crimson worm who is going to do something for our purification so that we can worship. So that we can worship Yahuwah. This is why when we look at the life cycle of the crimson worm, you know what we're gonna find? The gospel story. very fascinating because not only is the gospel story written out right in literally when you read the Gospels, of course, but also it's hidden under Remez. Even when we studied the genealogy, remember Genesis 5, and we saw the meaning of the names of the descendants of Adam, remember? And we figured out because of the Remez, there's design in the genealogy, and the meaning of the genealogy is the Gospel message. It's amazing that even in the life cycle of a worm, the crimson worm. Even in the life cycle of a crimson worm, we find the story of the gospel. How do we know this? Well, let's look at the life cycle of the crimson worm. Uh, When the crimson worm species is ready to give birth to her young, uh, which happens only once in her life, by the way, and so once they give birth, they die, uh, she would attach her body to the trunk of a tree. And so there's there's a need to attach herself to a tree to give birth. Isn't that interesting? Huh. fixing herself so firmly and permanently that she would never leave again. So once she, the crimson worm attaches itself to that tree, she will not leave that tree alive. She will leave that tree dead. This is because with her body attached to the wood, a hard crimson shell forms. It is a shell so hard and so secure to the wood that it can only be removed by tearing apart the body, which would kill the worm. So it starts with it being fixed to the tree. And this the worm will not leave the tree alive. It would only leave the tree dead, right? And this happens, the purpose for why it attaches to the tree is because it's going to give birth to children. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Right? Let's read the book of Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ! Has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, "Curses everyone who hangs on a tree." We know Yahushua was crucified on a tree because the cross was made of tree, right? He was affixed himself on the tree, knowing that once he gets himself affixed, attached to that tree, he would not leave that tree still alive. He would leave that tree already dead. Was this fulfilled? Oh, yeah. Well, what was the purpose of our King Yahushua? for our redemption? The gospel is about the work of the redemption, work of our King Yehusha. And in the life cycle of the crimson worm, you can see this: the attachment to tree, to a tree. What happens after that? Well, under the protective shell, crimson worm, but the crimson worm lays her eggs. And remember, uh, the crimson worm attaches to the tree and then forms that crimson shell for the purpose of protecting uh, the, uh, the larvae, to protect the, the children or the, the babies, the baby worms, right? And so under the protective shell crimson worm, uh, lays her eggs under, the, under her body and dies in the process of giving birth. Uh, when the larvae hatch, they remain under the mother's protective shell. So the baby worms can feed on the body of the mother worm for three days. So in the process of giving birth, And why does it die? Because, well, the baby worms have to be nourished. And guess who nourishes the baby worms? The body, the flesh of the crimson worm. The sacrifice, right? And the, the crimson worm does this because he wants to nourish the children that he begot. And so it's a sacrifice of death so that the baby worms can be nourished and become his, her children, right? And so, does that correspond to the gospel message? Look at Hebrews 2.9-10. What we do see is Yahushua who was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is not crowned with glory and honor. Yes, like God's grace, Yahushua tasted death for everyone. God for whom and to whom everything was made, chose to bring many children to glory, into glory. And it was only right that he should make Yahusha through his suffering a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. And So the Bible says Yahusha in or was needed to die, it was needed for him to die according to the plan of Yahuwah. What is the purpose of Yehovah? To create many children, Born into glory. In other words, what Jehovah wants is to adopt for himself sons and daughters. But for this to happen, Yahushua had to die. And so for the creation of new sons and daughters for God, the Son of God had to die. And that's the story also of the crimson worm, right? It attaches to the tree. It dies so that the body of the, uh, the worm that dies, the mother, be used to nourish, to bring about the children of the crimson worm. What happens after that? As the crimson worm dies, she releases a crimson or scarlet fluid that stains her body and the surrounding wood. This is why you can tell if the tree contains the uh, crimson worm. You can see that the, there's a crimson dye, like right? the baby worms like now, are also completely covered. Buy this crimson dye and it will remain crimson colored for the rest of its life. From the dead bodies of such crimson worms, the commercial scarlet dyes of antiquity were extracted. This is how the ancients extracted the dyes that produced the color of scarlet, crimson, or red. They got it from the tree, they got it from the crimson worm dying and releasing that dye. By the way, the crimson worm upon death, they also use that to put together medicines. They say it helps people smooth out their hearts. <laughs> That's very interesting. And how does this correspond to the work of our King Yehusha in the gospel in Revelation 1 5 and from Yehusha Christ, the faithful witness and firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us, washed us from our sins in his own blood. This is why we're covered by his blood until for the rest of our life, brethren. So long as you belong to Yahushua, for the rest of your life, you are covered by his blood. The crimson, the crimson die released by that dying worm represents the shed blood of who? Our king? Yeah, Yahusha. But not only that, the last part, says according to scientist Dr. Joby Martin before I go further the scientist Dr. Joby Martin he started out as a Darwinist do you know what that is a Darwinist he was given lectures to promote evolution yeah he was a Darwinist he promoted evolution but he was also a scientist and he observed creatures and the more he observed creatures he realized the creatures that the were created it has a hidden message When you look at the creatures of the world, it has a hidden message. And when Dr. Joby examined the crimson worm, he realized, according to his studies, after three days, the crimson shell turns into a snow white wax that looks like a patch of wool on the tree or fence. It then begins to flake off and drop to the ground looking like snow. Isn't that amazing? After three days, three days represents how long Yahusha was in the ground, in the grave, completing the work of redemption. When he comes out, you have redemption completed, right? And what is red becomes what? White. This is why when Yahuwah was offering the people to repent and to return to him, he had in his mind, Yahushua, who redeems us from our sins. This is why in Isaiah 118, Yehuah says, Come now, let us reason together, says Yahuwah. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is why, when we look at the life cycle of the crimson worm, it's very clear, brethren. It's pointing to who? Yehusha. His work of redemption, which we call the gospel. The gospel is contained in the life cycle of the Crimson One. Praises be to our Father Yahuwah. He knew all along that Yahusha would go through many, many difficulties. Yahusha tasted what it's like to be hated, to be opposed, to be mocked, to be reproached, to be lied against. But he went through all of that. Because he wants to save us. This is why Yahuwah gave our Savior a special name. What is that special name? In Matthew to twenty one, But when he had considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Yahusha, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the essence of the crimson worm prophecy. Yahusha fulfilled it, and because he will be the one to fulfill it, he will be given a special name. This is why the angel made sure the name is right. What is that name? Yahusha. Why that special name? Yahusha. For he will save his people from their sins. you know what the word or the name Yahusha means? It comes from two names, Yahuwah and Yasha. Yahuwah means I am he, I am who I am. The self-existent one, I am he. What does Yasha mean? It means to save, be saved, be delivered. And so when you put two, the two together, Yahuwah and Yasha, you get Yahusha. Yahusha then means I am he who saves. Yahusha was created for the purpose of our redemption, so that he can be our savior, so that he can say to us, I am he who saves. And so when Yahusha was here on earth, preaching the gospel, and when he said, I am Yahusha," he was telling the people, I am he who saves. Look to me and be saved. I am the one who can give you deliverance. I am the one who can give you salvation. That's why he's called, I am he who saves. He is called by the name Yahusha, But you know what? Before Yahusha can be, I am he who saves. He had to first become, I am a word. When David said that I am a word, Yahushua took that. He became a word. He was willing to go through chastisement, to go through reproach, to go through being despised by the people he loved so that he can become our Savior. Yahushua, yes. It was fitting for him to be the world, the crimson world. I am the crimson one, So that I am he who saves. You see how he humbled himself? Yehusha humbled himself. This is why he tells us in the book of Hebrews, if we ever need anything from Yehusha, we can go straight to him. Why? Because he can sympathize with us. He became the one. The prince and who was despised and by his death becomes Yahushua, I am he who saves. And so brethren, Yahuwah has given us something to hope upon. When David cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is a lament that many of us echo, that many of us cry out. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, there will be times in our life, maybe in times of sickness times of hardship when we will ask Yahuwah, why is this happening to me? Now in Psalms 22, we have something to look at to inspire us. What is that? Yahushua became the fulfillment of the taller worm, the crimson worm. For what reason? And what does Yahushua invite us to do now? In the book of Isaiah 53, three to five, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, Acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we to be here, Brothers and sisters, do you realize what Jehusha chose to go through for us? The next time we feel deepest grief, the next time sorrows please us down, the next time we are afflicted with sickness of any kind and you feel really sad, you feel very overwhelmed. Just remember, Yahusha became a crimson woman for us. He was willing to be despised to go through that punishment for us. So that by him, we can be whole, we can be healed. But then this life is hard. And it's much harder when we go through persecution, we go through situations when we end up doing things against each other that we should not be doing. Brothers and sisters, we know that at this moment the assembly is going through some difficult times, yes. But when we go through difficult times, we need to shift our focus. Meaning what should be our focus? Because we're the assembly of Yahushua. In the context of Yahushua being the crimson worm, what? what should we do? Especially now, and we're going through testing, going through sorrows and love. Let's read the final passage of our studies today. The book of Hebrews 12, 2, 3. Let us keep, keep our eyes fixed on Yahushua, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross, on the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him. He thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, And he is now seated at the right hand, at the right side of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. You know sometimes when bad things happen? When people do mean things to you, oftentimes our immediate reaction is to retaliate. But the Bible tells us do not retaliate. Even with our enemies, we are to love them. We are to pray for them. This is what we need to practice as well. And so when we feel discouragement because there are people who show hatred against us, instead of fixing our attention on what people are saying against us, let us fix our attention to who? Yehusha. Brethren, when you're going through something difficult, don't focus on the difficulty. Focus on Yahushua, and you will have that peace that surpasses all understanding. You will have that strength so that you will not be discouraged and you will not give up. If you're being discouraged by what's happening to you, if you're being discouraged by what people are saying to you, be encouraged by what Yahushua has to say to you. Go to him. Fix your eyes on him, because our faith depends on him from beginning to end. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Yahuwah Almighty. You are indeed God who has long suffered, patient with us. We make mistakes, we commit sins before you. But Father, you always are willing to forgive us so long as we draw near to you with repentant hearts father teach us to follow your ways we know that you want what is best for the assembly and so we beg you to please watch over us help us please in our work you have given us your son that by his shed blood we can be your children thank you father we are not worthy There are times, yes, when it seems that you have forsaken us. When we pray, but we wait a while before you deliver us. Now we know what we can do. We can continue to cry unto you and at the same time fix our eyes upon your son who died for us, who became a worm for us. Because he wants us to obtain everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Yahusha, our King and Lord, kindly look at your servants. We fix our eyes, our mind, our hearts upon you. We need you now more than ever because the dragon is out to destroy us. We stand no chance against him, but you are our King. With the sword of your mouth, indeed you can slay him. We are not afraid. You are with us. You have blessed the work of the assembly and will continue to do so. Not because we're good, but because you are compassionate and this work belongs to you. Loving Father, bless every one of us. Teach us to treat with kindness, even those who have wronged us. Help us to show compassion passion and mercy and help us to do our best to proclaim mightily your holy words that we will never be hindered in the work that you have given us. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.